welcome to the Unappreciated Carer. This week we're here with uh, Zoe Harris from um, uh, Care Matters, and we're also here with Lizzie uh, Elizabeth, shall I say, and uh, Felicity from uh, the Nightingale's Army. Welcome to you all. How are you all doing? Hello. <laughs> thank Good. you for having us, Adam. It's lovely to be here, and thank you, Zoe, for joining us today from My Care Matters. It's lovely to have you. Part, part. My pleasure. And so, Zoe, I've, I've been looking at the website and, uh, you know, really interested by sort of your story and how you how you got started. Can you tell us a little bit about My Care Matters and, you know, sort of what, what uh, sort of inspired you to get started? Sure. Yeah, so, well, it goes back almost 10 years now when um, <clears throat> my late husband had dementia. I cared for him for about five years at home, but um, it got to the stage where he had to move to a care home. Um, I had no background in um, medical care or social care, so I was completely ignorant as to the processes and systems that we used. But as soon as he went into the care home, I could see that he was being cared for by people who really knew nothing about him. And I couldn't see how um, the care plan that the the manager had put together, uh, which was over 100 pages of information, and that was... That was great, but I couldn't really see how the staff had time to read that, uh, not only for Jeff, but for the other 28 residents, and then remember things when they changed. And a couple of things happened that um, demonstrated that that was the case. So one very quick example I give always is that um, something had happened to Jeff's sense of balance, and so he would tend to push his chair back until he tipped it over. And so um, at a a previous place, he'd spent three months in a dementia assessment ward. Um, They'd learned to push his chair up against the wall, but um, not all the staff had got that message in the care home in the first few weeks, even though on my daily visits, I would make a point of mentioning it. And on a weekend, which of course is a typical time when you might have bank staff there, don't know much about the residents, and somebody had pulled his chair in and he tipped it over. So when I said to the manager, you know, how can that, happen when everyone's supposed to know she really didn't have an answer and so I did nothing more technical than stick post-it notes up on the wall of his room to just tell people a little bit about him not only about the facts like that but also family knowledge and the things that was um the things that were of interest to him he loved flying he'd been a a pilot in a in a previous life and that sort of thing so that they could engage with him and have a a conversation his dementia was very advanced he couldn't communicate in the conventional way, but he would be able to respond if if you sort of hit some of those trigger points. Yeah. So it was a better experience for him and for um, and for the staff. So anyway, just moving quickly on, that turned into a wall chart. Mm-hmm. Um, care home manager said, can I have some more of those for my other residents? And I realised that actually there was a, a huge need for something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we trialled it. I put it out to other care homes, um, got some more comments back. And from that day to this, we've got into about 1,400 care homes with variations of those charts. And then a couple of years ago, hospitals started to show, well, before that, but but really it started to come to a head with hospitals. They um, like the the idea of being able to display somebody's needs and preferences to everybody interacting with somebody in a hospital bed, because actually... Um, a large percentage of people in hospital are um, there either with dementia or with some form of delirium, again, preventing them from communicating. And I realised that actually the best way to do that was to encourage people to create profiles online, have it available in advance, 
You can print it out. Lots of hospitals still prefer paper, despite everyone's supposed to being paper free. Um, but it is available online as well. So if they want to look at it on their tablet, they can just pull somebody's profile up and it's there on any you know, internet, any device that's um, connected to the internet. And um, so that's sort of where we went on from the charts to then producing the online tool. What, a, what an incredible journey from, from writing that first post-it note. Would you have imagined for a second that you'd be here? God, no, no. And if anybody had told me the the agony and the pain and the stress and everything else, I'd run a mile. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you, you obviously mentioned there that uh, that you know the care manager didn't have an answer for you as to why why there was no you know what why did how did this happen? What and you said about the time. What why do you think there wasn't the time? Why do you think the carers don't, don't have the time or didn't have the time to get to understand Jeff as an individual and his specific care needs? I think the sad reality then, just as it is now, is that there's two aspects. They physically don't have the time. They've got too many tasks and the whole thing is seen as a task orientated role. But also there's a culture that if you're sitting down with a resident there's certain members of staff that might think that you are slacking, that you're not actually doing the job you're supposed to do, when actually I would say that's exactly the job you're supposed to be doing. Um, And so there are lots of tools out there that do encourage staff to collect information. And again, they're online tools and they're, they're paper tools like my charts and that sort of thing. But actually, I also say that, you know, you can put as many charts as you like on the wall. If the culture isn't there to want to know about the individual or or that you're given time to to want to try and develop that relationship, then actually it's not going to be um, any use anyway. So the culture has to be there, which is why I like to to talk to care homes and um, to staff to to help them understand why this is going to help them um, do their job, have much better job satisfaction if you if you can engage yeah. with an individual. Um, well, that, it, 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 it takes us all back to. Sorry, it just, it just takes us back to where, you know, the whole reason any of us get into care is to really make that difference. And then, you know, sort of a couple of years in, three, four, five years in, all of a sudden, like you say, it becomes very task oriented and you're no longer thinking about uh, that one person's individual needs and the difference that you honestly can make every day. It becomes, I've got to do these tasks and nothing else matters. And that's, you know, it's very difficult. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's very true. Like you say, you, you can have all the tools, but you need to have the time and... Yeah, sorry, Lizzie, I didn't mean to cut. No, I was just saying, we, we totally agree. I mean, this is what um, attracted us to, to Zoe and our website and, and what she's proceeding to do because, yeah, we think it's very important to have that personal touch, not just do a tick box, kind of run around and check off all, all of the ins and outs. You, you still have to have that personal understanding of who you're caring for, what their needs and wants are, and and to, to look at the future as well, to be thinking further on and planning for a later date in case anything happens. We think it's just such a fantastic idea. Obviously, we've spoken to you before, Zoe, and we obviously think your idea is amazing. As you're aware, we tried to implement this into a previous home we worked at and was unsuccessful. What challenges have you come across? Um, obviously, you've got into 14,000 um, homes, did you say, or 14,000? In, we're in about four, we're in over fourteen hundred care homes. Like, no, I can't honestly say that they're all still using them now. But over ten years, fourteen hundred care homes have adopted them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a significant number are still using the same charts actually that they might have bought six seven years ago. 
Have you come across any challenges um, that other care homes are not are not accepting of this chart? Um, the resistance sometimes. I, I think most people get that it's a great idea, that uh, that it's a very simple thing to implement. What they worry about is that somebody is going to have to fill it in. But actually, what they're sort of failing to recognise that, yes, there's a little bit of investment in filling it in. A, you can make that a fantastic exercise by encouraging a carer to sit with somebody and get what information they can from them. Or sit with the family, and the family are involved in this as well. So they get peace of mind from knowing this information is there. So they've got a role. Just digressing slightly, I know that as a, a wife, I felt that I'd sort of been left at the door, as it were, Jeff went in. I did visit on a daily basis, but there was this sort of resistance to me getting involved. And I think some care homes definitely are good at that. They want to include families, but others feel a bit defensive, perhaps that families are going to see that they're not looking after their loved one as well as you could at home. Well, you know, that's quite possibly the reality. But but families are a great asset. So anyway, the, the resistance perhaps is feeling that sense of, yes, it's another job to do. But the minute the staff start to use that information and then they start to interact with the individual, we've had some fantastic stories come back of individual little experiences and they're small things, but as we all know, the small I thing mean, makes such a big impact on somebody's day and quality of life. Normally when um, somebody goes to visit um, an individual before they even enter a care home where they take down the basic needs and you know, run the assessment on them would be a perfect opportunity for them to fill out the chart so it's ready before they even come into the home. Um, and then as along, as change happens and occurs, it would be easy to implement that on the form and change it. We might not necessarily have the time to do the initial full form, but if it's done before they come into the care setting by the care practitioner, the care manager, whoever it is that's going to visit this individual to take the assessment, I think that would work perfectly. Absolutely. And I think actually, I mean, and it's particularly the case in hospitals, but also in care homes, those first few days are massive. And as we all know, if somebody does have something like dementia and you get knocked back, you don't come back from that. So you need to avoid those knocks. And if somebody from, from day one, that information is available to all the staff, and the staff have been trained that, that the information is there on the wall and to, to use it and to encourage them to interact with that individual, you're going to reduce the trauma of, of moving into a strange environment as, as much as you can. I mean, it may even take some anxiety off of staff as well. I mean, like we spoke yeah. about before, bank staff, um, you know, agency staff mm-hmm. coming into the homes who know nothing about the residents that are there who then maybe feel a bit out of depth when they're in there, not able to deliver the care to their full extent, um, that would massively help them um, be able to understand the resident as well when they come into the homes. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I was shocked when I first realised that most agency or bank staff actually don't have access to the care plans because it's often in the office or whatever. So they might be working, looking after somebody virtually blind as to who they are. And you get all the stories. I know in a perfect world, they might be partnered with somebody who does know that person. But the reality is that doesn't always happen. And so there's there's nothing to to develop a relationship with that person and to gain their trust. It's shocking when you think about it, really, isn't it? 
such a small um, tool that you've created could make such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Well, and I say... The last thing I was looking to do was to, to create something that, you know, I was then going to go roll out to anybody else. All I was trying to do was uh, help people care for Jeff in the best way possible. Um, and I'd look for something like this. I, I assumed that there would be something out, out there, but um, there really wasn't. And it is simple. And uh, it also, I think, people can complicate these things. And yet what the staff really want uh, are those really basic things, like how does somebody take their cup of tea? Yeah. And... Do they wear glasses? Do they have a hearing aid? Because those things can all have a big impact on, again, somebody's ability to interact or whatever. And if you don't know that they wear glasses and they can't tell you that, then you, you've lost that opportunity to communicate. Even when they can tell you that, I mean, I've noticed as well that residents can get quite frustrated, can get quite angry, especially if they've had about four or five different staff in the room that day. And it is a day where we're full of agency. They've had to repeat themselves time and time again. The poor carer that then goes in there mm. gets the right earful when actually, like you just said, it's just as simple as as looking. Mm. And exactly. you know, you you wouldn't have to put them through that, would you? I mean, this this uh, seems to uh, lend itself very comfortably to sort of very person-centred care. So, have you had conversations with the CQC, and what what have they sort of said, if if you have, about you know the uh, the online um, you're on a platform. Yeah, I've spoken to um, senior people at CQC. I also had lots of um, comments back indirectly via um, care homes who've had um, uh, inspections after they've put the charts into play and that sort of thing. And uh, the one version that the CQC particularly like, but they have um, anecdotally expressed approval. We, they, they don't endorse products as such. Yeah. But they have um, expressed approval, to, as I say, via care homes um, of virtually all of the charts that we put together. The one they particularly like is what we call the twist and view. Mm -hmm. So you go into the wall, into into the room, and you see on the wall just an attractive picture, and then you turn it over, and the information is on the reverse. So it does um, sort of put people's minds at rest if they're concerned about confidentiality. Um, my argument on this was also because the, the one I produced with for Jeff to start with was just a single sided chart on the wall. It was all information that he would have shared if he'd been able. And I think if you just apply that sort of very simple rule to anything you're writing up there, would yeah. this person be telling you this stuff? Yes. Then really confidentiality isn't an issue because it's it's much more dignified to care for somebody when you know something about them than pretend everything all looks lovely, you know, like dressing people up and brushing their hair. That's not necessarily going to lead to dignified person-centered care. But the twist and view, I think, um, allayed the fears of some of the care home managers in the early days who felt that the CQC would be worried about this information on the wall. And we have had the occasional inspector, individual inspectors suggest it's an issue, but overwhelmingly, inspectors and people at head office have said, no, this is this is something that if, if it enables you to deliver person-centered care, then um, it's it's something that we would absolutely support. I mean, finding out how someone takes a cup of tea or likes their hairbrush or what name they like to be called, as far as I'm concerned, does not breach any form of confidentiality. It's something we would all express to each other generally. Confidentiality would be something very personal. 
Um, and I, yeah, I think that's a real cop out when that is said. I think they look at it more like extra workload. But actually, you know, we've had so many discussions today on meetings previous to this that, you know, expectations and I've totally forgotten what I was going to say, guys. <laughs> so, you know, um, but, but, cut out But, but um, no, I, I was going to say, I mean, because one, one, one of the things that I, I, I sort of would do is you look at the pictures on the wall, you know, how, how they were dressed and and things like that to try and, get, get to try and gauge how somebody would normally dress and have their hair and stuff. It'd be nice to have it written in front of you from the actual's perspective because they might hate themselves. They might hate how they were dressed in that picture. You know, I know, you know, if the wife has dressed you that day, you know, you never know. So, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, but, um, but yeah, so. Oh, and the point I was trying to make actually was before that comes, before <laughs> I, I ruined that, was that um, it would take a bit more work to implement these in the home to start with as we haven't filtered them in like that using this tool. But actually, if we just took that bit of time to just get the initial ones down, after that, it would save so much time and improve care so much. Mm -hmm. It would be worth it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's just educating them on that. And that's so you've got to look at the long-term picture, haven't you? Yeah, there, there are short fixes, but in the long term, if that's going to benefit everybody throughout the working environment and for the, the residents themselves, then it's a no-brainer, really. <laughs> Yeah, and, and actually, in terms of time efficiency, if you can say to somebody that, you know, you, I think what is it, it's 16 symbols or something, so you can see the information very quickly and easily. If the care, carer can go into the room and see that information, that's got to be more efficient on their time than having to go back to the office to check something out every time. Yeah, or just making guesswork and getting uh, it wrong yeah. completely. Yeah. Realistically, are, are, are care workers going to the office and getting that care plan out before each time? Well, this is it. This is what we're suggested to do. I mean, before, you know, when we ask questions, it's like, well, have you read the care plan? And I'm thinking, well, you know, we've been here since 7 a.m. We're here till 7 p.m. tonight. We get, you know, a half-hour break here and then a half-hour break, two half-hour breaks. Where have we got the time to do that? In between that, we are constantly full-on. And this is why, you know, we completely support what it is that Zoe's trying to get into all the care homes because for us being healthcare assistants we know this would help us deliver our job more efficiently and would take off so much pressure and obviously you know make the resident more comfortable in stopping being asked the most pointless questions all the time like how do you take your day you know how do you like this what do you prefer to be called you know just general information that would make someone's day a lot more yeah. And we're only human. We can't remember 28 different cups of teas and coffees and be like sugar and full fat milk and nice. semi-skins. <laughs> but, but when you look on their, their chart for how they take their cup of tea, so Jeff always drank his tea black. That was always one of the big deals because, of course, most people don't drink their tea black. Then your eye might skim over uh, other information about family or hobbies or allergies. And yes. in making his cup of tea, you might then say, oh, Jeff, I never knew you did that. Or, you know, my great uncle used to do that. And you've just got a natural in on a, a, you know, you might only be in the room for a minute, but you've got a chance to have a conversation. One of that wor the worst care I ever saw was when somebody would go in and do something to Jeff and then walk out again without having said anything at all, which just seemed so, such a missed opportunity for both of them, frankly. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable situation as well. I mean, that's their then, then their home, isn't it? And to have someone just walk in and completely disregard you is yeah. just, I mean, that's not acceptable at all, is it? 
And then, of course, the beauty of the charts is that they can be used at home as well. The minute somebody requires care that where you've got carers coming in, you know, these dreadful 15-minute visits, well, if you have got to go in and out for 15 minutes and you may have taken over this um, this person for the first time, again, you haven't got time to read through 30, 40 pages of notes that are sitting on the file. No. So, have, you, have you approached care in the community? Sorry? Have you approached care in the community? Um, yeah, we've, we've dipped in and out. It's much more difficult to reach people. Um, in fact, quite recently on the on the Care Charts website, we've got a specific area for um, domiciliary and for individuals. So trying to get people to come to the site and then they will see how the charts work for them as well. But it is more difficult. And then another area we're going to start looking at is maybe reaching out to people on Facebook, because I think that's somewhere where people are more um, active, perhaps as individual carers, and just get the message out with that. But as you know, I've been quite busy on the on the online tool and then the My Future Care handbook as well. So, um, so yeah, uh, it came to us as well about your e-portfolio because that's also another interesting topic and uh, something I think is, is very relevant nowadays. Like we say, a lot of people do have computers. We're all techno whizzes now. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's great to be able to log that information prior to anything happening. Um, and you've clearly got that written down. Your needs want preferences. So how, how does that work? Yeah, so so the MyCare Matters profile itself um, is pretty much a reflection of the chart. You you create um, uh, a um, a profile in just by by adding the information you want to, and then that's sitting there. You can update it whenever you want. You can print it out. We've got various ways of presenting it on the wall as well. Um, and then, uh, as you know, we sort of made that part of the bigger My Future Care handbook. So creating a MyCare Matters profile is one aspect of that. And you can also upload, if you create something like an advanced care plan or you've got information about power of attorney or whatever, you can upload that information onto your My Care Matters record. So again, you can make it available to um, whoever you want to. And the system creates a unique code for you. So you can invite anybody to look at your profile by giving them your unique code. They need your name of date, but name of, um, they need your name and your date of birth as well. And, and that's it. And then it's accessible. Perfect. As they would wish. And so we've got a, a an opportunity to have a to play a proactive role in our care and not just be, as they say, not just be passive recipients of care. And this this partnership of being involved, I think, can create a much greater sense of um well-being and, and peace of mind that you've done what you can to to help others care for you in the future yeah, that's yeah, a massively re- massively relevant point there was that was you know the fact that whether you're a, you know a, a mild or early stage of dementia you know we we should all probably be considering having a a form of care plan like you know uh, you know it's, yeah. um it, because you just never know uh you know what 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 might happen you know it's um yeah, I think that's a, a huge point, which I don't think we speak speak about often enough. I know I've spoken to my grandparents plenty of times about uh, you know their about their their care and you know, but people don't want to have that conversation. That's the, that's the challenge, and it's sort of having those difficult conversations, isn't it? That's um, that you've it's got very to try. Similar, and, isn't it? Yeah, it's it talk- can be yes. difficult, but but actually, I think sometimes people do want to have the conversation. It can work both both ways. Sometimes the 
the older generation will say, look, oh, I need to talk to you about X. Mm. And the younger generation will say, oh, don't worry about that. You know, you're going to live forever. And actually, that's not fair because you need to give that person the space and the permission to talk about it if they want to. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Older people, if if younger members of their family are saying, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, what, what do you want for your funeral? I, I know you're not going to die for at least 50 years, but actually... What would you like to have happen as and when? Because we all know it's not a question of if we're going to die. We are all going to die at some point. And breaking news. Breaking what? news. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty shocked me. I didn't realise that. <laughs> uh, ignorance can be bliss, can't it? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Yeah. Though, but really it's quite nice for family members as well to then feel that they know that they've done what you wanted because you've written it down and you've expressed your preferences. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to sort of hear what. We, so obviously you started this ten years ago, um, you, and like you said, you've you know you've never spent a day in health and social care before, and you know and then you know a couple of post notes later, and here we go, and you know online <laughs> platforms and everything. Um, but you know, so what were you doing before? Before you know, sort of. Um, before this? Oh, well, a number of things, actually. Um, in my 20s, I was a journalist mm-hmm. covering Formula One powerboat racing. Right. I was going around the world covering um, powerboat races, which is great fun. Yeah. And then I um, started my own uh, marketing and print management company. Yeah. Uh, that then took me into running the marketing department of a large PLC. And um, then Jeff started to get ill. And I also, we had two uh, young daughters at the time. Um, and even before Jeff was, was getting ill, I was thinking, uh, I, I don't know, some people can do it. You can run departments part-time. Mm-hmm. I found that um, I tried to cut my hours down, but all I was doing was getting paid less and still putting in the same amount of hours. And I wasn't spending any time with my children. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know, why did I actually decide to have children if I'm not going to spend any time with them? Mm-hmm. So I came out of that job, and it was actually about the same time that Jeff was starting to need more support. He was in, he was a property developer, so I started helping him and sort of increasingly taking over where he was starting to struggle. Not mm-hmm. not designing houses, but mm-hmm. just the basic admin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, as he started going downhill, I ended up... Um, pretty much full-time caring for him. And then the children were, um, yeah, early early teens, so they needed my time as well. Did you say, and uh, before, did you say Jeff was also a pilot before that? He was. He yeah. was in the RAF for a few years, yeah. yeah. So a pretty incredible time then, you know, sort of like in the in the lead up to, you know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, between sort of the F1 and the piloting, sort of seeing the world was not a problem. Yes, you covered all grounds there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we had a lot of fun um, uh, as, a, as a partnership before before he got ill. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice legacy that, that he's left behind that, that you've carried on um, through My Care Matters. So, yeah, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, do you know, I think um, it, it, probably in the early years, particularly, I mean, it has been, it's been 10, uh, will be 10 years next year that he, since he died. But I think I could have got very angry with how everything went for him. He had some pretty bad care at times. And uh, yeah, so doing this sort of, does does help to feel that we've made a difference to others. I think he'd be quite pleased to feel that uh, what I did for him actually has gone on to help others as well. 
<laughs> I think that's the very inspiring thing is that you've 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 and why it's such an amazing story is because you've seen you fixed the problem and like you like you said you know there was a, there was this gap there and and you and what you seem to be doing is fixing a problem and um and ultimately what's going to hopefully happen from that is people are going to receive better care and people are going to be better at their at their jobs and that's you know that's, that's an amazing impact to be having so yeah no but um well, thank you yes Sorry. absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well you're very welcome and uh, thanks for inviting me on to this are you going to be doing other podcasts with other people as well yes uh, we've got a christmas podcast planned and we have a special one Yep, with uh, my sister's house, and yeah, we've got a few, we've got a few things going. So it's a it's a work in progress. I know. I don't know if you saw my last my last podcast about the vaccine. If you're if you are listening, then feel free to check that out. But uh, but you know, but there's but that yeah, it's I find that I say you know a lot. I think I should assume that I say that people know. That's what we should do. Um, but yeah, so it's a work in progress. We're we'll learning, but yeah, enjoying it anyway. Adam, yeah. just quickly, actually, um, you and your wife, you run an agency. See, that's um, right. So, do you feel that this is something that would benefit your staff when going into homes? A hundred percent. 100% like and I've been an agency carer I've been a carer for, for a long time and you know and, and I always got you know we always try and go to the same place you know so consistency as agency is the most important thing that you can do so the same people go into the same homes you build relationships with the people that you're caring for and the people that you're working with and that's the big that's a big problem with um, agency care. It's a little bit too recruitment-minded, um, you know. Uh, but, uh, but you know, the, if you can have something where you go in, the scariest thing as an agency care worker is going into a new home because you know nobody. You, it's like you know, starting work for the first time. It's, day, it's, isn't it? it's starting a brand new job every time you go to a new place. And it's scary, you know, and it messes with people's anxieties and stuff like that. It's very difficult. If you can go in there and you know that in front in front of you straight away you're going to have you know the top 10 things that somebody likes and how they like to be cared for and like you say like the simple things have they got a hearing aid you know or, or not because then you know to look and you know and you know it's yeah it, it would make a massive difference you know so um yeah I, I know that that was the always the scariest thing for me going to a new care home is just that, that confidence of uh knowing what you knowing who you're going into so yeah i think it would be a, a a massive thing for for any home to consider, and it was. And if you've if you've already uh, sort of been introduced to fourteen hundred, obviously care homes are getting to know it well. There's a lot more to go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, Zoe. We'll get a there. Few, a, a few more to go, but yeah, de definitely, definitely something which should have a massive impact. Thank you, thank you, uh, you know, uh, Zoe and uh, Elizabeth and Felicity for for coming on. Really appreciate it. That's a pleasure. Thank you always, as always, Adam, and thank you, Zoe, for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks very much for inviting me.